Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On today's episode, I am joined by Jason Red of Timber Ninja Outdoors to talk about backpack hunting, whitetails, turkeys, and everything in between. Backpack hunting for whitetails can open up some amazing opportunities to be able to find adventure without having to travel too far from home. So we just discussed backpack hunting gear, the advantages and disadvantages of backpack hunting, opportunities within the Appalachian Mountains, and much more. And this podcast is brought to you by Onyx, and the Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. Recently, Onyx added elite membership benefits for all elite users to get deals on other hunting companies as well as free memberships to other scouting tools like Hunt and Fool and Top Rut. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while also creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm using the Phantom Saddle System with the Predator platform for all of my mobile hunts. To learn more about Tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven Optics is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. I've recently been messing around with the new RF1 rangefinder, and it's different than any anything I've used in the past because the wheel on the side allows you to change the brightness and go through the menu easily and on the fly without going through buttons and trying to look through to understand what's changing. It's very easy to manage with one hand. And if you want to check out the RF1 rangefinder and any of the other optics, you'll get a free gift if you use the coupon code EastMeetsWest-GIFT. So that's over at mavenbuilt.com. And don't forget, last week I came out with a YouTube video talking about optics as far as whitetail hunting, different applications for them, how to kind of choose sizes, all the different stuff. So check that out on my YouTube channel as well. And last but not least, Spartan Forge. When hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts, the outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, which includes GPS data, 30 years of weather data, academic and state research, and they're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. On this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday on the social media platforms, I have a story from Dale Schuler. And this comes out of the western mountains of North Carolina. And Dale said, I'd been looking at this particular area for a couple of years on Onyx. I was trying to figure out the best way to access the area. I could either park where I had an eight-mile hike in or a five-mile walk-in. The only problem was the five-mile access was in our city limits, so I got in contact with the city 
and they gave me the green light. My cousin and I made the five-mile hike getting there about 7.45 a.m. We then cut off the trail to the top of the mountain. We got to the top and automatically started seeing rubs. By the end of the trip, we counted over 20 rub trees. We scouted around till about 11, and I finally made it to an area that felt just right. We got set up, down looking over a saddle. We sat there for about an hour, and off to my left, I could hear something walking, but wasn't quite sure what it was. I could tell it was starting to fade, so I told my cousin I was going to sneak up the ridge to see if I could get a peek of what was walking. I made my way up the ridge, checking my wind every step. I kept looking and looking, but never could see him, but I could hear the steps. After 20 minutes, I looked up and saw the stud calmly walking the side of the ridge. I shouldered my Browning 30-06 and put it dead on his shoulders and squeezed the trigger. He took off running with no reaction. Every deer I had shot before had some type of reaction. This guy didn't, audit, well, he didn't, which automatically made me concerned. We gave him a few minutes, then went and checked for blood. We found a good amount of leaves kicked up from him running, but no blood, which really had me worried. Finally, my cousin found a small speck of blood, which did calm me down some. As I kept walking, the kicked up leaves, something told me to look down towards the bottom of the ridge. As I scanned down below me, I caught a glimpse of a white belly, and there he laid. I really had no idea he was that big until he picked his head up. So, if... If you uh, have social media, go to the East Meets West Hunt Instagram page or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook and take a look at this stud from Dale out of North Carolina. What just an incredible deer. Big, heavy antlered, and man, he put in the work going in five miles to be able to to get this deer. And if you've ever been in the mountains down there west from North Carolina, they are rugged and they're big. So pretty impressive, and it just so happens that this week's guest is also from North Carolina and has a lot of experience in these types of areas, so it just made sense. So check that out and send in your story if you were interested in being featured on Mountain Buck Monday. Um, just send me an email at bo at eastmeetswesthunt.com or send me a message on social media. All right, so this past weekend, I got out turkey hunting again. Actually, last week, I got out a couple days before work, but that's literally, if I I don't shoot them as soon as they hit the ground, I got to get going and go to work. So I did, after the first day of not hearing anything, not seeing any sign, the two days before work, I heard birds, saw birds, and, and actually a guy shot one um in front of me i think he missed he shot three times so um but anyways that you know it, it was good it was making me feel good about the weekend and saturday i was heading out to a spot and ended up changing my mind partially way through the drive which is something i tip i do quite often and went to a place i hadn't been to since the the turkey season before and i kind of wanted to scout it for deer too so i was like i'm gonna go check out the spot and right away i heard two birds on the roost but it was really foggy and tough to tough to really tell where it was coming from but i knew i figured it was closer than than it sounded so i kind of just sat there for a little bit and they were down below me and waited gobbled a few more times and then uh, they hit the ground and shut up so i was like all right well they must have hens with them and so i just kept working the ridge calling every once in a while coming out 
peeking over the sides and got out and just sitting there drinking some coffee and listening and and I heard him gobble again which I believe it's one of the same birds and because it was just around the ridge about three quarters of a mile and so I started I hurried up grabbed my stuff and started working my way down and as I started getting closer I could hear some hens and so I was like all right well I'm not going to pull him off of them most likely so I got to figure out a plan and I could hear they were kind of working away from me across the valley and heading up to the other point so I waited a little bit until I could get I got him to gobble one time and that's all I needed was kind of locate and I could kind of assume the direction they were heading so I went down basically sprinted down over the hill went up and opposite point on the back side of it ran around the top and then came all the way around trying to get to a point where I could cut them off and just sat up and waited and I waited probably an hour and 30 minutes before and I didn't hear anything before I heard I heard some hens well I heard one hen and I just she'd I heard her making some clucks and some noises and I just would cut her off and she got so mad came sprinting in uh, about you know five yards in front of me just just yakking her head off just calling back and forth looking for me but no gobbler behind her and I couldn't figure it out so after she worked her way off I still waited another 30 minutes and at that point it was getting like 11 o'clock in the morning so I started working my way out the point to where she came from and where I thought those gobblers were. And, and nevertheless, there was a whole bunch of fresh scratching. So there's definitely more birds there and, but nothing, you know, so I was just kind of slowly going along, finding deer sign. It was, it was actually in a really old clear cut, like a 25, 30 year old clear cut and found some good buck beds. And was, my mind was going the deer instead of turkeys. And, and basically he was going to head back to the truck cause he had to stop at noon and, and all of a sudden on this, well, so I bumped some deer that were better on this point and they ran off over. And then all of a sudden I heard this noise and I look over and that gobbler was literally, I don't know, he was, it almost looked like he was bedded down in some really thick brush. Maybe he heard me coming. I don't know. It, this is, it was just kind of weird. And he flew across the valley and over to the other side and and that's kind of how that all ended up but <laughs> it was a it was a fun day chasing turkeys uh those are the days i, I love just always kind of knowing you're in the game and just playing it and just didn't work out in my favor i don't have any more time to hunt on the weekends doing a bunch of traveling here so i but i will try to hunt before work a few days this week if i can and and see what happens a couple years ago i killed mine before work so it's not out of the question but um got some other priorities to take care of and yeah that's that's about it for turkey hunting um and other news uh upcoming events so possibly here in two weeks two weekends here the like may 21st 22nd there'll be a tethered uh, teach and train event down in Charleston, West Virginia. Going to be down there with the untamed guys. Um, there is a small chance that I won't be able to go to that um, for my day job work reasons. Might be mandated to work that weekend. But as of right now, I'm going. Um, I'll update you next week on on that. But n- no matter what, they're having it. Should be an awesome event. So some of the guys from Tethered will be there. The untamed 
teaching all about saddle hunting, having a good time. And then after that, Total Archery Challenge in Pennsylvania, which is the first weekend in June. And then I'm going to go to Boyne, Michigan. So the, the one in Pennsylvania, I won't have my own booth this year. I've decided to work at the tethered booth. So I'll be there um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday, and then I'm um, going to Boyne, Michigan with the Prime Archery guys, G5, and uh, hanging out there for the weekend. So some things going on. If you're in any of those areas and stop by and say hello, that'd be awesome. And then just lastly, the Mountain Buck Scouting video series, a new episode is dropping next week. So the first of the five new episodes will be dropping next week on Wednesday. So be looking out for that. And other than that, I'm, I think we're ready to jump into this podcast with uh, a past guest, been on here a couple times now, and, and a good friend, Jason Red. Jason, how you been? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. It's good to good to get to talk to you again. I'm joined on the Zoom call here with Jason Red, a Timber Ninja Outdoors. He's been a, a kind of a frequent guest now. You were on a couple times last year and back on again this year. So it's uh, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. It's fun. I uh, I like talking hunting, so that that really works. <laughs> I like talking hunting more than I do trying to sell my products. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and you, uh, I, I've been kind of jealous. You were uh, doing a little bit of turkey hunting already, from the sounds of it. Yeah, I went up to or went up went down to Alabama <clears throat> for their opener last week. Um, it opened Saturday, so I actually got there Thursday night. I was in Alabama for business and. Uh, my meetings all wrapped up on Thursday. So, <clears throat> so I, uh, I was able to go camp Thursday night and my buddy heat jolly showed up late Thursday night and we scouted all day Friday. I only had two days to hunt. Uh, weather was kind of crappy on Saturday. A lot of people, you know, a lot of pressure in there. Uh, we, I think we covered 12, 13 miles on Saturday. Didn't hear a bird. Um, and then got on one Sunday morning he it's a perfect setup. Like there was a, a private uh, pasture uh, bordering national forest with a creek running up from it up into a holler. And I was like, it's just a perfect place for a Turkey to roost up on those ridges. And we got in there that morning and just blind and sure enough, he struck and, um, and we looked at each other and I was like, that's a dead Turkey. Cause you know, common sense would say the Turkey's going to follow that creek right down to the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he had different plans. He had a hen with him. And uh, uh, so that didn't really work out for us and just really weren't that communicative. Um, and uh, turkeys weren't hitting the fields while we were there. Uh, they were staying in the woods and um, my buddy's still there. He's going to, he's going to be there for 10 days. And he said, it's been hit and miss with like, you know, the vocalization. So, uh, but I imagine next week should be pretty fire in Alabama. Interesting. I that it's crazy to me how they open so early. Uh, I guess just we don't open till the first weekend of May here in Pennsylvania. So it's oh, wow. a, yeah, it's a it's a crazy uh, difference there between some of the southern states and us. So how long does your season go? I've never looked into Pennsylvania season. It goes through 
I can't. It's one of the days right after Memorial Day. I can't. It's like sometime in the middle of the week there. I could be wrong, but uh, they've changed it a few times. It used to end on Memorial Day, and now it's just a few days after. So it's the whole month of May, essentially. Yeah. So are you already hearing birds gobble? Uh, sporadically, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they start hitting real hard in the middle of April. And then <laughs> by the time season comes in, it's like, yeah. it's difficult, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's how ours are, man. They start gobbling. Our season opens up second. Youth season opens up the first weekend of April, and the adult season, you know, general season opens the second week of April. And but usually they're gobbling pretty good in March. And uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, no, we we end mid to late May, I think, something like that. Okay, but I think I'm gonna go. Uh, I think we'll head up to Iowa and turkey hunt this year at the end of May. Use it as a scouting trip too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh. Are you are you are you hunting there this year? Is that if I remember? Yeah, right? man. Uh, I've I've got five points now, and um, I just don't I don't want to keep building and burn. You know, and yeah. I've got a lot of buddies that are getting that want to start building. So I was like, well, I'll go ahead and burn my points now and build with them and make it you know trip next year and um you know uh nathan killing he's i think he's hunting he's trying to draw next year and coincidentally we we had the same zone in mind so i'm gonna do some some groundwork for him (laughs) oh there you go that'll be good that'll be fun it should be a little bit different than um hunting north carolina (laughs) a little bit man but i'm i'm focusing on the more hilly region personally uh, yeah i had a good conversation with the biologist for about two hours not too long ago and man they were so helpful uh or he was so helpful and just like telling what my hunting style was what i was looking for um uh, what zones i had dialed and what i was thinking and and like he was like well sounds like you kind of made your mind up but you know he he really pointed and said like yeah if you if you like rough country the zone you want to go in is gonna it's gonna it's it's the rougher country for you know iowa and holds a pretty good because of the terrain holds um good age class in there but i don't know Uh, you know like you know you hear all these people talk about all the mature bucks running around in iowa and you know even all the large two and three-year-old bucks running around and you know and and i was like you know are there 120 130 inch deer running around every day he's like well i won't guarantee that but he said, I guarantee it, you'll see more deer than you do at home. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't so. take much. No, it doesn't take much at all. So <laughs> ah, that's I'm, funny. I'm for that trip, man. I, I've been, you know, when you put in for something for that long, you know, um, I should have pulled it last year and just went ahead and did it. But um, I just had my full schedule of hunting last year. So I'm going to make it happen this year. That's awesome. I think I'll, yeah, I'll have three points this year. Mm-hmm. in in iowa so um i keep i i haven't been actually putting it on like my calendar as far as plan on hunting it but uh I, I i'll probably hunt that in the next few years myself and just i've never hunted well i've never hunted iowa or any of those places so i'll be it should be should be pretty fun yeah yeah i'd like to go to maybe kansas or next after iowa i think i haven't hunted kansas yet either Oh, that I've heard that's fun too. Just yeah. smash the antlers together and they come running in, right? It's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, 
I've heard that about Iowa too. Like, I don't know. Calling just doesn't really work for me in, up here. So, um, and I don't do much blind calling just because I haven't had much success from it. And, uh, but, you know, I hear that's a thing you can do in some of those areas. So I'm going to give her a whirl and see what happens. Nice. What else, uh, you, what else you got on uh, the plan for this year? Anything good? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to, um, let's see, turkey hunting. I'm going to turkey hunt Virginia, North Carolina, and more than likely Iowa. I'm looking to do that as a scouting trip. And then uh, my family, we're going back to Alaska in July for like nine days to go. Um, uh, Haley's never been to, it's the only state she's not been to. And uh, she knows how much I plan on. Yeah, she said I already had plans for us to move there, but so she wants to see it before she gets forced into moving there. So, <laughs> so we're going and flying into Anchorage, and we chartered a boat down in Homer uh, with Homer Alaskan Charters, I believe. And um, we're going to go halibut and salmon fishing for one day, and we rented one of those like um, it's like it's this mini RVs. Have you ever seen them? Like they're built on like a two fifty chassis, but they're not very wide. They only sleep three people. Mm, I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen those. Yeah, it's a smaller RV. It's like the Camp America uh, thing <laughs> on the side. So it looks it's going to look super corny. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but we're going to drive from uh, we're going to drive from Anchorage down to Homer, and then we're going to after our fishing trip, we're just going to go explore. We got some friends that live up in Talkeetna, and uh, we're going to try to make our way up there and just hang out and then uh, I'm going elk hunting in October, uh, sorry, October, September for the opener in Colorado again, uh, meet my buddy out there. And then, then I'll just be deer hunting Virginia, Iowa, North Carolina. If I tag out early in Iowa, I've got some buddies that are going to be hunting in Ohio. Uh, and, and I may hit that up on my back or West Virginia or something. Cause I'm gonna take two weeks for rut. Uh, and then I'm going back to Arkansas uh, to hunt uh, Thanksgiving. Oh wow! Yeah, you got yeah. you got a pretty packed schedule again this year, then too. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it, man. I haven't hunted in Arkansas since I was a kid, uh, so I'm going back to hunt some national forest there that I've been getting a lot of intel on that has some really good deer. So, oh, that's uh, awesome. Just on that. That is awesome. I, I've heard Arkansas is beautiful. I've never been there. Like some of the, the areas in the national forests and stuff there. Oh yeah. I, I love the whole state. Too. I love, I love the beauty of it, but like, um, I wouldn't want to live there again, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's cool to visit, especially if you like duck hunting. Okay. But, um, what do you have on your schedule for this year? Um, well, starting off with, so hopefully high country mule deer, um, Colorado, so I should be drawing that tag. I, I switched gears from elk like I was planning on doing. Um, just have better odds of drawing this and always wanted to do it. So I'm going to do spot and stock for a couple of weeks. And then uh, and then after that, just basically head into the Pennsylvania archery season and, and see where that takes me. I'll, I'm, I'm going to be scouting some areas in New York, and I have some spots in Ohio, depending on the the year, whether I want to, if, if I get done early and I can move on, which hasn't happened to me in the last few years, but uh, it used to work that way where I could jump over to one of those other states, so I'm hoping to do that again, but that's yeah. that's that's all I have on the immediate plans, kind of focus on those main main things there and, and uh, see what happens. How many points do you have in Colorado for the mule deer? I have four. 
Oh, nice. I'll have four this year. And I, I want to do that same hunt. That's a, my buddy lives out there. He's been living out there since he got out of the army and he's got a lot of good areas. And he said, I need about four points to draw some of the Alpine stuff. I, I really want to do that hunt. Yeah. It's I, I've been, I've been really looking forward to that. And my, my two buddies that I'm going with, they've done, done it before and just, they're like, man, it's like nothing else. It's they say elk hunting's fun, but when you can just sit up there in glass and see him, and you're always kind of watching deer and trying to make a play, he's like, it's just a whole nother world. So, yeah, getting that high country, man. I've been up. I haven't hunted that high, uh, but I've been up rock climbing and trail running up. You know, I've done a few of the fourteeners, and it's just a different world at that height, man. Like, yeah. it's a game changer. Like you know, physically to go from, you know, 11 to 14,000 feet is a huge step up. You know, if it, I don't know if that's about how high you're going to be getting, if you're getting a tree line, you got to be somewhere around 12 to 13. I yeah. Tw- tw- yeah. Probably. Uh, mo- yeah. Mostly into 12 to 13 range is probably where we'll be. And I've, I've hunted elk in Colorado at 12, 12 was the highest. Like that was where we crested over the ridge and then down and from 10, five to 12, and that was tough on breathing and that that's so much different from 85, you know? So like to go another, it's, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. That 14, man, I've done two, see, I've done two 14ers and it felt like I was walking on the moon, like getting my legs to move when I got that high, you know, like <laughs> just rough. Um, yeah, but it, you know, you get acclimated, you'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's, that's those are my uh, kind of plans. I'll most likely pick up an elk tag too while while I'm there, and a bear tag, and whatever else I can get. But um, have those all in the in the pocket. But the main focus will be will be mule deer. So nice, can't hide money. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I wish the season dates were the way they used to be in the end of August, but now they don't, the season doesn't open till the beginning of September. So you're kind of rushing oh. there before velvet, uh, and where they start moving a little bit. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. I haven't been keeping up with it. It's one of those things, you know, like even Iowa, like I've been casually looking for a few years, but like, I don't get focused until I know it's going to be that year, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause then you get so much other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is hard to keep it all straight. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun, man. I can't wait to hear about that. Awesome. Well, Jason, one of the, th- what I wanted to talk to you about today is, um, about backpack hunting in the Appalachian mountains. And I wanted to about, how often do you do you backpack hunt much or like for any of your hunts, turkey hunts, whitetail hunts, any of that? Um, so like are you referring to like backpacking in and hunting? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I do I do a fair amount of it. I, I didn't do any this year, but uh I try to do a few trips every year, uh either a turkey or you know, a deer trip or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of these spots that it, it just it's really the only way to effectively hunt it is to backpack on it. And, um, I, I have some plan this year, actually, um, actually going to be doing, uh, been talking, Nathan and I are going to talk about doing a swap out, um, backpack and do a backpack hunt in Virginia and then one in North Carolina. So that'd be pretty fun. Like I've always done it by myself. I've never had any company except for, I've done some backpack fishing trips with my son, but, uh, most of them have been by myself. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
the backpack hunting I, i've done it i haven't done it for archery deer i've done it for rifle here in pennsylvania um yeah. and i've done it for turkeys and everything i love it it's just it um and i i've done it mostly by myself too it's it's a it's a process um and you you mean you really have to commit and realize that like when in november you're going to be cold like when you're in a tree all day and then you come down and you're still going to be you know cold or and you can't just you know come inside and get a hot shower or anything so it's a little bit of a difference but like today i was in a spot i was just telling you scouting and and to get to this one spot i want to hunt's a good three miles in and and it's it's nothing incredible but to do that morning after morning and dark after dark that's a long you know a long ways to go in where that was something that i could see be a lot more effective by being able to to camp out somewhere closer yeah i mean when you're dealing with you know you have three four miles that you need to get into a spot to effectively hunt it you know yeah you can you know pound it out and go home every night or whatever but you know it's easier on your body just to go ahead and commit and sit back there because um, you know, especially if you want to cover more country while you're in there, cause you can get back in there and then you can just use that as your base camp and, and cover more areas. I mean, you know, these national forests that, you know, we have here in the Appalachian range, there's some great spots that are just so hard for people to get to. Like I've, I've got two spots picked out that are new for me this year in North Carolina that, um, that's pretty much going to require that. And it's all, and they're also like hunts that they're pretty deep and, I think they need to be, you need to wait until late fall for it to get cooler just because the country so steep in there, you know, you're just going to be a sweaty mass. Um, and so I, I don't think I'm going to even attempt to mess with it during early bow season. We'll wait and um, go into those areas later season. But yeah, it's also fun, man, because, you know, it puts the adventure into hunting. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this multiple times is that there's so many adventures at our back door and, you know, these backpack style hunts like this, they're not much different than going out west if you take out the altitude, you know, in the game. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same. It's the same thing. And and like I, I think I've said before when we talked last time, it's a really good um, kind of little build up for people that are wanting to go out west. You know, you at least can dial your gear in. Yeah, I mean, I I use a lot of the same gear that I use for elk hunting. Well, actually, just about all of it that I use for elk hunting as I do for backpack hunting here. Oh yeah. I mean, my gear is the same car camping or backpack hunting. Like, you know, like most of my friends I hunt with, like I was just at camp with a few guys and it was funny people rolling into camp to car camp. And it reminded me when I was in my early twenties, they all rolled up with their whole bed full of stuff. Like they had, um, car batteries for lights, uh, big eight person Walmart Coleman tents, uh, fold out chairs, all that stuff, you know, like, and here I am, I have like my MSR hubba hubba, a crazy Creek chair and my, my, uh, pocket rocket, but I did upgrade recently to bring in a small cast iron skillet to use with my pocket rocket to cook burgers and stuff. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I've actually upgraded a little bit on that. Um, but you know, my kit's still the same, you know, like, cause I can, I can get everything I have into two dry bags and, uh, 
and it just makes it easier to pack your stuff to go out, you know, to even do a car camping trip, you know? Yeah, because you, you can keep it so much more organized, and, and typically your stuff to do that is lighter weight. It just keeps you yeah. more organized. You know, well, it's funny when we went uh, truck camping in, in Idaho for our elk hunt, the amount of stuff that I had packed into my truck that we had packed in there because we knew we were going to be staying at the truck was ridiculous. Like yeah. when when otherwise we go out and we got coolers and our backpacks packed full of stuff to go on, you know, a backpack hunt. And otherwise it was just, it was incredible. And, yeah. you know, being as minimalistic as possible is uh, definitely, it just, for me, it's uh it's less anxiety too, just of having so much shit and trying to keep track of it. Man, I know. Like, um, I don't know what it is, man. I was talking to a buddy of mine about this other day. Is that used to I would go on trips and just like there'd be zero anxiety. I just like roll with it, get all my stuff done, you know, ready to crank out. Nowadays, like, I, you know, and I, I know what everything I need to take. Like, it's not like I'm gonna, you know, knock on wood. I don't forget anything because I've, I've done it enough. But like I get this anxiety and I think it just, as you get older, you get more responsibilities and more things going on. Your anxiety is built up anyway. And so like this next layer of thing, you're trying to get out of town. Um, it, it just adds to it. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know, but once you get out there, you're able to let loose. Um, so that's, that's the positive of the whole endeavor. Yeah. Are you, are you typically, um, so when you do like that style hunt, say for deer, are you, are you packing in like your sticks in a stand or anything? Or are you playing on ground hunting for the most part? Um, I mean, well, depends on where I'm going. Like if I'm doing it at home, uh, I have a few different things I do. I mean, like if it's like a gun hunt, um, I typically only carry one stick and, um, a platform and a saddle is what I've been switched up to. Um, before I used to leave a lot of stuff hidden in the woods mm-hmm. and just pick it up as I'd get back in there. Uh, and then I've also, um, I, I, I've, I have a bunch of ropes hung in different areas too, where I just jug the rope and just bring a stand with me. Um, huh. but which now that would be just as effective with, um, with just, you know, the rope and a saddle or, you know, saddle and saddle platform, if that's what you choose to do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't hunt very high anyway, so, um, I'm as minimalist as possible. And if I'm, if I'm gun hunting more than likely, I'm going to stay on the ground, but if I want to get up in a laurel thicket or something, I'll use a stick or so to get up just so I can get just above the laurel, be able to see. Yep. Um, I did that a lot this year, especially with my gun, uh, using a saddle and a saddle platform and one stick and just getting above the laurel. Yeah. I mean, I had never, when I'd done it, I, cause I didn't do any backpack hunts last year, but when I had done it before, um, I never wanted to pack in my stuff, but now with, with having, well, using your sticks and then, uh, the saddle and stuff, it's so light. I'm like, hey, I can, I can carry in a few sticks and stuff with it and not be, it's not, yeah. you know, a couple sticks weigh less than my tripod does, you know, that I, right. that I'm carrying in. So it's not as big of a, a deal anymore to be able to, to bring some of that stuff in, but mostly on, usually on rifle hunts, I don't bring much of anything as far as just hunting off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love hunting off the ground to be honest with you. And I find myself doing more of it. Like 
the buck I killed last year, I was trying so hard to kill him off the ground with my longbow. And, uh, you know, I should be saying I used 17 sticks to get up a tree. But, yeah, yeah since, uh, since you sell elevated hunting gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I, I just find myself just, you know, because I just want to make it happen. Like, I tried to kill a bear this year. I didn't, I didn't get real serious about it, but I just love – you know, it gets to be so much more personal when – you're on the ground with something, especially if it's a mature buck or, you know, a bear or something like that. Like it just, you know, and then you add in the equipment of like traditional bow and stuff like that. It just, it's to me, it's about as fair chase as it can get, you know, on on the East coast, if you can pull that off, but yeah. um, And, you know, you're able to move around and cover some country too. Cause these, these bucks, you know, they, um, you gotta be, you gotta be very mobile in in some of these situations, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. It it, it is not, I I've I enjoyed that part in rifle season. For the most part in bow season I hunt a little bit off the ground, but mostly I'm up in the tree. Um but I I, I like being able to mix it up and have those the ability to do it. When you're on the ground you do feel more free. The one thing that I realize with myself is it's harder for me to to stay in one spot maybe when I should yeah. when you're on yeah. the ground, you know. It's easier just to move your legs and go than it is to take down your yeah. setup. <laughs> so move right over here. Yeah, yeah no, I 100% agree. Um, but I'll tell you one thing I, 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 I started doing a lot is I was using my saddle platform as a seat hunting off the ground. Huh. This would position it like at butt level. Yeah. And sit on it instead of being all the way on the ground because – you know, with a bow, I want to be on my knees or sitting, you know, uh, on, elevated so I can draw my bow pretty easy. So I was actually using it as a seat uh, this year a lot when I was trying to get that deer off the ground. But that's a that's a good idea. I, I like that. I, I was using my I was using my saddle just off the ground, like I or I would just tie it to the tree just so I had like a a kind of a sling there to be able to 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 sit in especially if i was going to be there for a while because you know how tough it can be just like standing next to a tree or whatever you know so i I tried that but my thing was was like well what if i need to make a move you know that's where my problem came i was like well i I, yeah what if i just need to turn my whole body and it it just makes it more difficult yeah that's where yeah that's where the only issue comes in (laughs) Uh, i because i Somebody was telling me, you know, like said that they were telling me they did that. And I, and I went to do it one morning and I hooked up and I was like, well, geez, if that sucker does this, like I need to move. Like I want to be able to take off, you know, yeah. and do, and react if I need to. So, but the saddle platform works out pretty well, especially, um, you know, like something smaller, like, uh, like the tethered one, uh, like the little small predator that, that one works really well. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Um, what are you, what are you using for a pack? Like what, what, what kind of pack are you using now for when you're going in on these, these backpack hunts? Uh, I mean, you know, for, if that's going to be like overnight, you know, I want something that's, you know, at least 3,500. Um, uh, I've, you know, I used that. I've used every pack pretty much there is. Um, and last year I was using a Kafaru, um, and I switched back to EXO this year. Um, and, and the main reason was, is like, I was using that Kafaru, uh, the striker and, um, but then when I go do bigger hunts where I need more space, I was having to swap the bag out 
and I'm just lazy, man. And, uh, you know, it was a pain in the butt having to switch out my bags and I want to buy two frames. And so I went back to my XO, the XO I, this year I have the new K3 yep. and I, I got the 4,800 and, uh, you know, those, their bags are just, I, I love my K2. Like it has the pockets on the side where I can slide a tripod into or hiking stick. And I just leave my hiking stick in there all year. You know, it's got enough compartments like that. Um, you can keep most stuff separated. I don't like a bunch of compartments cause like I'm not that organized. I just put stuff in dry sacks. Yep. And, uh, another feature I really like about, I've always loved about their packs was, uh, they have a roll top and a roll top to me. Like I love a roll top bag. I like to stuff it down and just roll it up. So I went, and then if you're not using, using it, this, things shrink down their profile pretty tight too. So um, it's not very bulky. So that's what I went to this year. The 4,800, you know, like a 3,500, I could get by like in elk season for seven nights with all my food and everything, but that was pushing it. Um, so that 4,800, I could get by, you know, probably seven, eight nights, even in the mid to late season hunt, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good size, but I've packed it up. I've had it for about two months now and uh, you know, they made some changes on their packs too. They went to a titanium frame and um, did a couple of little enhancements that uh, a little bit of an upgrade as far as features uh, based on the, the, the K2 model that I had. Okay. Your packs. What do you use? Um, oh, I use a bunch of them, but like I've done the same thing as you. I've went through a whole bunch of different ones and I started off with a, a Kuyu pack that yeah, I, I did not like at all. Um, yeah. I, I had, it, it was just, it was honestly terrible, but I've heard they've been changed since it was the ultra 6,000. So it was super lightweight. And, um, and then I, I went to a Kafaru, which I liked that I used the reckoning bag, which is bigger. I like the center zip and I just, I'd for white tails, I'd either run it without the lid and just have some pockets on the top, or I'd run the lid and leave the main pack down at the bottom of the tree and just take the lid up with my essentials in it. Um, yeah. so I didn't have to carry all that up there when I would be doing it. Um, and then I've, uh, recently been using the the Sika Mountain Hauler 4000, which I just love the way that pack's laid out. It's yeah. it's not built for whitetails, so it's a little bit noisy, which they all kind of are. But I mean, it's just it's a it. But I like that you don't really need a, a rain cover on it. It stays. It just sheds water really good, and um, it 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 holds holds weight great. And then uh, just recently, I also got a stone glacier that um that I'm just messing around with and and. I like the way the frame, I like the way the frame feels so far. I haven't put a lot of weight in it, but I've been hiking with it quite a bit. I'm not a fan of the bag. Uh, it's the, I don't know. It's the one that I got. So it's uh, the Evo 4056. So it's just, it's very, very minimalist. There's no pockets. It doesn't, it doesn't come with the lid. doesn't come with anything. So it's very, it's just basically a bag, um, you know, just, and that's just a little bit too minimalist for me. It's it's super lightweight and it does its job. I mean, it doesn't. It feels like a tough pack and frame and everything. But it's just, I I, I would change out the bag if I was gonna use it more. I I still love the layout of my Sika pack a lot better. Yeah, I was uh, I was that was, that was the only company I haven't tried their bag, and I was I was almost gonna buy one this year, but they just. 
a few things that I didn't, for, for what I found that I really need in a bag, like they just didn't have it, you know, especially like to mix in whitetail hunting with it. Um, you know, if I was a sheep guide, you know, or something like that, like I would totally probably use their 5,900, I think it was. It used to be the Sky Archer. I forget what they call it now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I can't, they have a whole bunch of different names. Yeah. But I've heard that frame is pretty bomber though. It's like called the X curve, right? Yeah. That's the one I have is it's the, the crux Evo. So it's not, doesn't have the curve. It's straight. So it's, it's lighter. Um, but I've, yeah, I've heard the curve one's pretty good and and this straight one. So how I ended up, um, so I ended up winning this pack actually. So I didn't even buy it. And, um, and it's been, been, been working out. I mean, I've just been messing around with, I was actually going to sell it as soon as I got it because I was like, I didn't have a need for it, but then I started looking at it some more and I'm like, I, I can't not try it. You know, it was, it, for me, it was like one of the only companies that I haven't, you know, messed with and I've heard so many good things about them. And so far, I mean, it's a very, very comfortable frame and suspension system. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these packs are so close to each other, man. They're like boots. They're like yeah, any hunting equipment. It's all personal preference. You know, like I, people, I get a lot of messages asking about you know because they people know that i switch packs or i have switch packs over the years and like you know how does it carry you know weight and i'm like well you know once you get you know 50 to 60 pounds like they all kind of carry the same and then once you get to like 80 to 100 they all suck you know like (laughs) nothing sucks it's just the weight sucks so nothing's going to feel like a magic carpet ride when you put that type of weight on you know yeah that's so true too Uh, like um so but yeah i mean it's all personal preference yeah so um yeah i yeah and it's funny because i've i've used like i said all most of those packs and three out of the four um i've liked a lot like i I wouldn't hesitate picking up any of them and using it and being you know just fine the kafaru the sick air the stone glacier for the most part but um yeah what about what about a shelter so like down say in North Carolina or Virginia or wherever you're doing these hunts. I mean, what, what type of shelter are you using when you, when you're backpacking in? Did you I say, mean, you say the hubba bubba? Is that what it's called? The MSR? Yeah. Hubba hubba. Yeah. Uh, I just bought that, that tent last year when I was in Alaska. Um, I, I, I had pro- previously used, uh, I had two different big Agnes, um, the UL Fly Creek, I believe it was UL one. I had a UL one and a UL two, and those things I had those from for years. Like I used them on rock climbing trips and everything. I really like a a dome style tent like that. They're easy to put up. Uh, they're going to buck the wind. You know, they're bug proof essentially. You know, like I've used like tarps too, um, and that's fine. Don't get me wrong, but like. I'm not maybe a master at pitching these things. And like, um, you know, if it gets real with weather, man, um, you know, I want to make sure my shit's dry. So like, you know, yeah. I can do that with, uh, with, with the do- a dome style three seasons tent. Um, but I'll tell you the one thing that I really have enjoyed about my, um, about this hubba hubba is it's, it's a dual vestibule, dual side entry. So that's, pretty clutch you know because like you you got tons of room with those dual vestibules to put your gear out there 
Um, you know, that's one thing that people don't think about with these minimalist tents is like, if you get all your crap wet and you put it inside your tent and it's, let's say it's really cold and you get your bag wet, man, or you get your stuff in there wet, like it, it can, you know, screw your day. You could either have to leave or, you know, if you're in a, a real, you know, backcountry experience, you know, maybe in Alaska or somewhere, it could be life or death, you know? Yep. So having those dual vegetables is really nice. Um, another thing I upgraded to this year, you know, I turned 40 last year and, you know, I've tried to be as lightweight as possible on stuff and cut corners. And I mean, I used to not even use a sleeping pad for years. Like I, I used my, um, I used my, uh, my, um, uh, crazy Creek chair. You know what a crazy Creek chair is? No, I heard you mentioned it earlier too. And I I wasn't sure what what you're talking about. It's a, if you look it up, people, you, it's, it's, it's it's a dual fold, just padded chair that has, um, it has a, a strap, a nylon strap that runs down from the sides and you can adjust it, but yeah. you can fold it out flat. And I use that and just put my body on that short section for <laughs> years. Um, That's funny. You know, uh, but then I upgraded to, uh, you know, like a, a Z pad or whatever it is, the foldable thermorest. And then I started getting into like the lightweight, uh, you know, blow up back, uh, blow up mattresses. And, um, you know, the problem with some of those super lightweight ones is they're loud as shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And their R value tends to be a little low. And, uh, you know, and what I've noticed is, you know, over the years is if you do some uh, any type of backcountry trip, you know, yeah, it can be a little bit more. You know, if you add a few more pounds to your kit, it can be a little rough getting in and out. Right. But if you're not sleeping worth the crap, it's going to screw you worse in the long term, yeah. you know, so, I actually upgraded this year. I bought a, uh, I bought a, a Thermarest Neo Air. Uh, it's the what was X X Therm? Yeah, the X Therm. Mm-hmm. I bought that thing. It's I've used it like eight times already. That thing is a Cadillac. Um, <laughs> so well in that. And then another thing I upgraded to this year um, was um, I changed my bag out. I'd had a big Agnes. Lone Ranger or Lost Ranger. I don't know if you've ever seen that bag, but it, it's not insulated on the back because it has a, a slit for you. Oh, to yeah. Yep. Um, they're again saving weight, but like, you know, it, it when you slid that, 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 um, the pad in there, I'm a side sleeper. I have to roll a lot. And man, I felt like I was, you know, in a straight jacket when I was using that thing. Man, I just didn't get a really good night's sleep because I couldn't roll. Um, so I just upgraded to a, uh, a waterproof down marmot bag, 10 degree, and it's windproof too. So, you know, having those windproof, that windproof, um, will actually enhance, you know, the level of, uh, insulation to, you know, cause that wind will, can cut you. I mean, even in a tent, you know, three seasons tent, it's not that big of a wind shelter. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, um, I looked at those sleeping bags of the big Agnes that you put the pad in, but I, I just ended up having the, I have my down bag is a big Agnes boot Jack 25. I like that bag a lot. And I actually got, I believe it's a marmot. I just bought for Alaska last year. I bought a synthetic bag that weighs the same amount as that the big Agnes. And it's, I think it's about the same. It's, it's pretty impressive for, and it packs down just as small and everything. It's, it's a synthetic bag. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And it was, it was cheap too. I mean, compared, 
not cheap, but cheap compared to down bags, you know, as far as, as far as that goes. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up and send you, send you what that is. I have it in my Alaska gear list here somewhere, but I heard about, uh, I was listening to, I think it was Tundra, Tundra talk. Yeah. They've been talking about, you know, Wiggies, Wiggies waiters. Yep. So they make sleeping bags too. And apparently they have a bomber synthetic bag. That's like really cheap, but it's completely legit. Really? Like 150 bucks or something like that. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't either. I heard it on that podcast. <laughs> no, it's funny about Wiggies. So I, did you, did you have a pair in Alaska? Yeah, I, I still use them a little bit. So I bought, I was like, why would I get these Wiggies when I can get this other brand that's only $20 and looks like the exact same thing? Well, I got them and I, I took them up there. I never used them in Alaska. I came home and used them. And I first uh, river I crossed leaked, filled my whole boot up right uh, out of the box, literally opened it up, put them on. It was, they were terrible. I was like, well, I should have used the Wiggies. Like, what's that? Yours like rubber? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah basically <laughs> about as thin as a garbage bag. Dude, I have a funny story about that. My buddy, <laughs> I took my, you know, I used to do a lot of duck hunting and I took a guy duck hunting and he'd never been before. He showed up with a pair of those things with some boots over them, uh, this, some knee boots over them, you know, cause they're, they're kind of like a sock, you know? Yep. And, uh, we were out there and it was, it was cold as all get out, man. And we were sitting there and he's like, man, I am freezing to death. And I was like, well, man, it's just cold. You know, and we're standing in water, you know, up, up to our thighs. It's just really cold. Well, I just kept telling him, you know, I was like, man, you're, just, you're being a sissy. Just, you know, tough it out. You know, and we killed ducks and we limited it out and we go to walk out. And he, he gets out and he had cuts right there where the seams busted right at his uh, ankles. And so he he didn't realize he got wet. He thought he was just cold. And he <laughs> wet, man. Like I was like, I kind of felt bad, but it was hilarious. But yeah, that's <laughs> crap, man. That's crazy that you bought those. Those yeah. weekends are pretty good, man. I I used them a lot in Alaska because um, we crossed we had to cross the same river to snake through the region we were in, and like you know, just putting on stalks and stuff. Like I had to use those things a lot and. They saved some time, man, because my buddy just brought hip boots. And by the time, you know, sitting there waiting on him to take his boots off, put his hip boots on and switch out and all that stuff, it, it was a time killer for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 for sure. I like the, the idea of the overboot basically like that. And I could see me using them here quite a bit too. Because before I'd always, like when I'd have some crossings, I would carry in hip boots and do the same thing. I'd have to take off my boots, put the the ones on, go across, and then I just leave them by the bank until I came back came back out. But by having those where you just throw over the top would save so much time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know man, it's definitely is. Um I mean there's you know you know, the other stuff are like, you know, the camping stuff. Like I'll tell you one thing also that I skimped on for a number of years um was getting a nice blow up pillow. Yes. I, I, uh, I'd always just taken like a dry bag and, you know, and stuffed like puffy and stuff in there and used it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was just like, I was tough it out. But then last year, my buddy had one of the, he's always had that sea to summit blow up one. And I just like took it one day and like put my head on it for a minute. And I was like, geez, what am I been, what am I been missing out on here, man? Like those little things fold up as, 
you know, big as a mouse on a, you know, for a computer and they weigh nothing and they blow up in a second and man, they are night and day difference, but. Oh yeah. That, that's what I have on the Sea to Summit, Eros pillow. And like, I had one that was a climate, I think yeah, it was climate, but it was so loud on your face. Cause like, it was just, it felt, I couldn't sleep because I moved my face around. It'd be like, the whole yeah. time. So in the, that, that Sea to Summit one doesn't weigh that much more. And it's got like a fabric on it that makes it soft. It's not loud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, if it sounds like we're being wimps, if you haven't done this, like this will change your whole sleeping game. Like I, I what you said earlier about like, like bringing in stuff that weighs a little bit more to feel comfortable when you're sleeping, 110%. Like that's that's how you're gonna recover and that's how you're gonna get rest to be able to hunt effectively. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, we're talking two pounds difference probably, and uh, it just makes a it makes a it makes a world of difference, especially if you're going to be doing something for multiple days, you know, I mean, not like I go white tail hunt in Pisgah national forest for seven days or anything. Uh, you know, it's usually just maybe a night or two and you can get by suffering a little bit, but you know, why do it? You know, um, you know, it's like food, like it's good to bring hot food. Like I've tried the whole, no, <laughs> no stove method before. Yeah. You know, green belly bars and, summer sausage and stuff like that, man. And, you know, when you're out there and you've been cold all day, like eating a warm meal is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Just it boosts your spirits, you know. What do you, do you have like a, a jet, a jet boil? Did you say that you, or no, I use a, just a pocket rocket. Okay. Yeah. I have those, I have that. And, um, you, and I have uh, I don't know the brand, but it's just like little, little cup. Um, the cup that would fit a pocket rocket and one fuel canister and everything in it. Yep. And then, and then I have a, a titanium long spoon that I use, and um, and you know I I have my spoon like wrapped with like uh, climbers tape and also like gorilla tape on there, you know, in case I need that for something else. Let's keep that on there. Just it's a little weight savings compact, you know, tech tip. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've seen where people um, uh, wrap their Nalgene with like Luco tape or something too, because yeah. like you never need the whole roll, but you, yeah. you know, but just a little bit is all you need. I'm like, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it works out pretty good, man. Because I mean, that tape comes in handy sometimes, and especially like you know, I do like I said the the Gorilla tape or and then you know, like a climber's tape, you know, we use, we use climbing tape to wrap our hands for clack, crack climbing. So it sticks really well to your hands. Yep. Uh, stuff works wonders, you know, if you get a blister or cut or something like that. Um, you know, not, you know, like I bring, you know, keep the food to a minimum. I, I mainly dehydrate a lot of my own stuff, which I've, yeah, I found well, a you save money and B I think it tastes better and I don't get, any sodium issues like I have with other, other food. Um, and, um, just, and I always like to bring hydration mix, you know, like some type of electrolyte replenishment. Cause you know, especially if you're going to pack something out, you know, it's good to have those electrolytes and stuff. Yeah. I, I always keep, uh, it, it's funny like my kill kit. So I'll have, I'll have in there, um, 
a little packet of the, the Mountain Ops Yeti, which is like almost like their pre-workout like energy boost, and then their and then uh, electrolytes. So I have both of that there to keep keep going yeah. as I'm doing it. But the only problem is I, I'm realizing I probably shouldn't use the the caffeine in that mixture because it. Uh, you're already moving pretty good with uh, with the, the weight on your back. You really don't need that portion. But the electrolytes are really, I, I think, really helpful. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you tell the difference, especially if you're doing like a longer hunt. If you're not using electrolytes, man, it's just, it's super important. Um, especially, you know, like I, I just learned that from, you know, doing endurance sports. Like you just you crash if you don't have those suckers, man. And it's hard to get it from anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's that? No, I was just gonna say, what about I? I just mentioned about like uh, what I call it in the kill kit. Do you have something like that with like game bags or anything for packing out a deer? Yeah, I I just use I have the what is it the caribou bags caribou gear yeah. is a brand. Yeah. yeah, I have I have the I bought those. I used to just buy like the the big full animal carcass bag, and I would cut it into pieces when I was needing it. Like I tied knot in the end after I cut it and then stuff meat and tie that. But those things like don't do a real good job. Like, especially in early season, like dealing with flies or like yellow jackets and stuff as much as like these reusable ones that are really nice. So I, I just bought um, about four years ago, I bought that caribou gear or whatever. They're the boned out elk bags. And I mean, I can get, you know, I can get elk out with that. You know, we packed, um, you know, caribou out with it. I, you know, I packed two deers out with one of those kits, you know, a buddy of mine both killed and packed both of those out. Um, that's it. I use that. And then, um, and then I have a Taito knife. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I didn't like the surgical blade knives for a little bit because I think I was not taking my time and I was breaking blades. But once I really started finessing, Man, I can run through some stuff with that thing. Interesting. I I, I kind of went I went back, but mine was more of the same thing. Like, well, one I was cutting myself because I wasn't being careful, and then breaking blades. I had a Havilon, so then I moved to I just have like a fixed blade iron wheel that I carry a sharpener with me, and and it works for my broadheads too. So it's it's kind of the sharpener weighs half an ounce. So it's pretty nice carbide little sharpener. And I I've been using that, um, for all of my skin and cutting, but the, the, you really can't beat the, the sharpness of those surgical blades. No, they, you gotta be careful, man. Like I've heard people having some nasty incidents. Um, uh, I, I do carry a fixed blade as well too. I have a Ellie that I've, I've had that thing for like eight years. Um, you know, both of them, work fine you know like and i don't have any problem breaking joints with the surgical blade knife like you just have to be take your time with it i know i always carry a pair of disposable gloves too um not so much that i worry about getting my hands bloody but it also adds a little bit of protection from you know cutting yourself as well yep yeah and even exposing any of your cuts or anything to just i don't know like when yeah. you're when as you're you know cutting up in there and you're inside and getting yeah, it's just I, yeah. I, I can I yeah I always I always carry that in there too. If I remember, there's times I I forget to replenish the bag. You know, like I'll use it and then I'll forget to put a new set in there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've done that. Um, 
you know, other things I carry, you know, I always carry two headlamps. Um, and then I carry, um, always like if I'm bow hunting, I carry a little, a, a little bag that has a sharpener, um, an extra string, you know, cause I shoot the stick bow and some string wax and a couple of knots and I'm good to go, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, and then I usually carry what I call my electronics bag that has my, my external battery, um, you know, and so I have a phone cord and then I use the same cord, uh, additional cord that charges my, um, headlamps cause I have a rechargeable headlamp. That's my primary and my Garmin inReach. Okay. Uh, I always carry, I have a little mini inReach. Yeah. I always, I have a little mini too. Those things are, are nice for, for that occasion. Oh yeah. What, what rechargeable headlamp do you have? I have a Petzl, uh, Tika. Okay. Huh. That thing is awesome, man. Um, I've had that thing for probably s- seven years. Uh, and it has this like feature in it that it will auto brighten or, or, or dampen depending on how far you are away from the object. So it's, it's really cool. Like, so if I'm walking in, I'll just tilt it down to my hat bill and it like completely c- brings it down to like 70 lumens or something, you know? And then if I'm, uh-huh. for something if i pick it back up it'll completely beam out and give me a, a more um a wider range and brighter um i think they call it reactive or something like that okay yeah i'm uh i'm actually pulled it up online here i was taking a look at them there i didn't yeah i didn't i didn't realize you could do the the recharging or the or just using three standard tripways there but um trying to see what what you were talking about with it um, back and forth, but anyways, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I think of like when you're going to set your sticks or something on the tree, like you don't need this really bright light versus, right. you know, when you're, when you're walking out or whatever it might be. So like that, that would be, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. It works well for blood trailing. man, you know, I, I bought it, but you know, back when I used to climb a lot, you know, we have to climb a little bit at night. Um, uh, it works. So like if you're right up on the rock, it won't like blind you. Um, you're hiking out, you know, it brightens up, man. But I mean, I can get, I can get a week out of that thing, you know, deer hunting without it going down. It's, it's been super reliable and it's cracked and still working proper. So, um, I'm thinking about buying a new one this year. I I had the black diamond. I think it's a storm, uh, headlamp and I love it. It's, it's does everything I need, but just the batteries just don't seem to last very long in it. That's my only complaint with it. it yeah, I have that as a backup. It's my backup light. Okay. Yeah. I, I have, yeah, it's just, I have two of them actually, and I have one as a backup, but it, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish that, that's why I'm interested in that, that Petzl there. I'm going to take a look at that. Yeah. They make great stuff, man. Uh, you know, and, you know, like clothing, like I've gotten to where, you know, if it's a colder hunt, I only, I pretty much just have puffies and base layer, you know, base layers, puffies and like a midweight hoodie. And, uh, cause I don't worry that much about the sound of the puffy stuff, man. Like it, it I just make sure I'm being real smooth when I move. Yep. You know? uh, but man, just the, the wind resistance they have, the, the thermal capabilities, and the packability, like I'll take that over something that's a lot quieter, but 
you know, like the stuff that's quiet doesn't pack, you know? Yeah. Just, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a trade off there. There's, there's no real way of making, you know, a packable puffy that's that quiet. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, I do have one that I bought. Uh, it's a heavier puffy, like that. I like to carry if I know it's going to get real cold. It's a Patagonia, but, uh, it, it it's, it's called a silent down and it is pretty quiet. Really? Um, and, and water resistant, but, uh, primarily I just use, I have, I like that. Um, I have the first light Brooks Brooks down sweater thing, whatever they, I think it's the name of it. So it's, it's a midway puffy and that thing, it works really well, especially if you like use like a midway hoodie or something under it. Like yeah. you, you're, you're pretty good to go, you know, like into the high twenties or at least I am. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I'm the same way when I'm doing like a, a backpack style hunt or something where space is really at a premium. Um, I'm not going with my typical whitetail stuff, which you, you use that stuff all the time, right? You don't, um, but normally I'm using some of the quieter stuff when I can, as far as on shorter hunts or stuff, I don't need to pack in as far if I could strap it to the outside, but for the, for the otherwise I'm using the, the whole, the puffy gear pants and, yeah. and jacket. I, I, I'd rather have puffy than more base layers. I don't, cause then you, I hate, I hate wearing base layers on the bottom. Like as far as like long base layers, because you're always like, when I'd be out West, like elk hunting, they'd be good for like the first 15 minutes and then they're too hot. And then you have to take off your boots and your pants to do it where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to wear just my lightweight pants and I'll carry puffy pants to throw over top. If I'm sitting down to glass or, or in tree stand or whatever. Yeah. This, I tell you a piece of gear that I really enjoyed this year is I bought those, um, the, the zip off first light base layer pants. Ah, so you could take them off underneath. Oh man. Yeah. I didn't realize how awesome that was. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I hate taking my boots off and stuff. That's why I like, I like full leg, leg zippers on all my pants, you know, or, or my outer pants. Um, but man, having the ability to unzip those bottom base layers is pretty clutch. Um, uh, in my opinion, that's a good advancement and they don't, I was concerned that they would rub on your legs and stuff, but you don't feel them at all. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, th- I don't know. Only other person I know that makes those, I think stone glacier makes them too, I guess. Right. I, th- I I'm not, I think who you might make something like that too. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Who you does. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I think my brother had a set of those, um, before, but that was, yeah, I think those are the only ones that are, that are making those. Yeah. Those things are really good, man. And, you know, having all that stuff and the cool thing about the puffy is that you throw it on a camp when you get back. And one other thing I started carrying that I never would carry was a pair of camp shoes. I just have some Walmart knockoff Crocs that were like $7. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, man, getting your feet out of your boots at night, man, is so good for you, for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I won't go anywhere without my, my Crocs. I was looking at, um, when I was putting together, uh, the, the sheet here to go over for this podcast, I was looking at back at some of my pictures that I had from backpack hunts here and stuff. I did a Turkey hunt where I found had my pack full. I had the Crocs hanging off the back and then the fishing pole on the side too, <laughs> but always had the Crocs hanging off the, hanging off the back. I just dropped them right to the outside. <laughs> Uh, man, those things, they're making a big comeback. Um, it's like everybody's wearing Crocs. 
I saw dudes that were turkey hunting crocs up in the hills in Alabama last uh, when I was up there. Really? Yeah, but they weren't going up any real hills. They were trying to tell me they were. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm sorry. You're not. <laughs> you're three steps forward, ten back. You yeah. know. You I'm heard not. something from the truck, and you didn't want to change your boots, so you went running out, and you ended up yeah. in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, well, it was Catman. Catman was the one talking about the whole croc thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. But those camp shoes are, are really stellar. I I'm actually. Um, my son and I are going to do a backpack turkey hunt here uh, next weekend, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. How how are you filtering water on uh, those trips? Um. So I went. Man, I, I've used a lot of different stuff over the years. I, you know, I had to. How do you? Katahdin. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? You know that brand? Yeah, Katad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Katadine. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like yeah, I'm from Arkansas, so I have excuse with having poor grammar. Um, but uh, I used that for a while. Then I tried the Sawyer stuff, uh, and then I've used the um, platypus gravity bag stuff as well. Yep. And um, and I've used the the uh, lye straw before. I don't really like that. So I went back to. See, two years ago, I went back to the MSR pump. Yep. I, I really, man, that thing is just, the cool thing about that, and where I was having problems with these, like, platypus bags, is if you have, like, a small stream, it's really hard to collect water. Um, and with those suction-style pumps of, like, the MSR, you can get water from anywhere. You can make just a little bitty pool uh, in a spring and be able to collect water with that. And also, the filter is really easy to clean. Um, I had a it seemed like with the platypus, we were all we always have we're having to backfill backwash that thing to make, make it work. Yeah, I have the same one. I've went through multiple filters on the platypus, and just like I, I only use it if there's really clean water. Basically, like there's not much dirt or soot that's yeah. going to be in it, and I keep it kind of like a base camp set up that you can just hang there and yeah. roll. I'm my brother uses the MSR pump and I think that's the route I'm gonna go. Last year in Alaska everything was so clear I just used drops, which they said we probably didn't even need to filter anything but the aqua mirror drops. Since yeah. there, there wasn't any there wasn't any particulates or anything I really had to worry about. So those drops seem to seem to do just fine. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna advocate it, but like if, if you're laying back somewhere for a day or so, like you can drink out of most streams. I mean, uh, it's, <laughs> this is a dead beer laying above it. Like I, I drink out of them all the time, but that MSR, I keep that thing in my bag all the time, just in case of emergencies. Yep. Uh, another cool thing, if you use like their water bladders, like what they call it, uh, drama deers, um, the top will screw down onto them. So you don't have to like mess with the hose. Ah, okay. Yeah. You can just screw it right onto the bag and pump it full and take it off and put your top back on it. Oh, no way. Yeah, that that's that's really good, especially if you're dealing with like I have one that's a, a six liter, you know, and sitting there holding that thing and pumping it because really to effectively you need both hands to really pump that thing for that long. Yeah. So that's uh that's a really good piece. I, I really anything MSR is good, man. Like their stuff is bomber. I know. I sort I, the like you talk about the pocket rocket and stuff. Like I've never heard anybody say anything bad about MSR products. Mm-hmm. No, no. I have a bunch of their stuff. I have their Whisper Light stove, like the multi fuel stove. 
yeah. uh, that thing's good, especially for going out of country, you know, where you may not be able to get different types of gas and stuff like that. It, it, I mean, that thing will run off diesel. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that, I think we kind of covered most of the the gear items there. I wasn't even planning on diving that deep into it, but it was, I like the, the conversation and I get, I geek out when we, you and I always seem to start talking about gear and messing yeah. around with that. That seems to be, uh, our forte. But so a, a question I have is like back to like just backpack hunting in general, how do you, or if you're planning on hunting a certain area, like how close are you typically getting? And like, do you set up camp, you know, down low up on the ridges? Like, is there any spe- specific type that you try to look for? I mean, it really depends. Like, I, mean, I guess one thing about me in most of the areas I pick to hunt, you know, in, in the national forest here in the mountains, it's going to be around creeks. I just, I, I, I like, I find a lot of good deer up at these creek heads, man. Um, I, I just, I, I always find them somewhere close. So I'm usually going to be camping around a creek because I don't want to have to go far and mess with water if I can. Uh, and so I'll, I'll get lower. And, you know, a lot of places that I'm in, you know, there probably is some type of hiking trail or mountain bike trail or something that goes through there. So, and people may camp there recreationally every once in a while. So I don't think it's that big of a deal for the animals, you know, like if you're out there camping. Um, and if you can, you know, I had a guy actually just asked me this question the other day and, he was wanting to know how close you could get. Like, I'm not going to be right up on top of where I think they're bedding. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I'll walk a half mile, you know? Um, and, and, and regardless, if you're in a Creek, you're sent, everything's going to flow down downstream. Anyway, you know, um, it's not like you're out there partying, you know, with radio going and stuff. that's going to spook any animals, but you know, about a half mile. I mean, it's, it's about clutch for me. Yeah, I, I I agree too with the I'm the same way with the bottoms like sleeping down next to the the creek. Once you have the water there to do anything, yeah. clean up, do it. You know, at the end of the day, and then also same thing. Your thermals are always kind of pulling down with the the creek. So yeah, yeah. Now um, sucks to hike up at the mountain then though. Too bad you couldn't just be you know right up there. <laughs> oh, that'd, that'd be ideal, man. Uh, but then I'd have to be hiking down to get water. So yeah, uh, but you're right. Those are, there's uh, some stuff you know, going to have to play out, but yeah, that's, a, I mean, it, and it definitely is a very effective way of doing it to get back into some of these spots, man. Like, and it's just fun. It's an adventure, you know, like, um, you know, we have so many adventures out our back door that we don't capitalize on. Like I really need to do more of that now that my son's getting, you know, my son's 12 now and he loves, backpacking and hunting in the mountain or just getting in the mountains. So I think I'll be doing a lot more of it, you know, this year and the years to come since he gets so stoked about it. Oh, that's, that's awesome that he's, he's that into it too. And kind of gets you doing some more of it. And, and it, it, like, like you said, it just, it just, there's so many opportunities throughout the entire Appalachian range, the whole way up through like that's, I was on, a, I was a guest on a podcast recently. So what, type of hunts do you want to do you know going forward to say i want to hunt more out east like i want to hunt i want to yeah. hunt the adirondacks i want to hunt down in virginia i want to hunt north carolina i want to hunt tennessee i want to hunt new hampshire i want to go through all these different places and there's there's so much 
to, yeah. to be able to do. I agree, man. Like I've, I've gotten, I've gotten where I, well, I'll take that back. Like I've had, I've been going down to the coast in South Carolina the last two years on these like coastal um, saltwater swamps, you know, like marshes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I have really been digging that just cause it's, you know, it's just a weird um, change of scenery. But besides that, like, I don't really want to hunt anywhere else, but the mountains, man. And I've, I've been fortunate. Like I've hunted, all this southern you know i've hunted all the way up to virginia in the appalachian range i haven't been in the pa yet which i plan on doing that but i've been getting really stoked you know i think i messaged you about i got down a rabbit hole watching like um what's it hal schaefer is that right or how blood how blood geez dude i went down a rabbit hole watching those like big woods um uh hunts up there man in the tracking like I'm definitely doing that. If not this year, next year, uh, well, it be this year, it'd be next year or year after, I guess. Yeah. Too much play, but it's just so, and I've been all up in Maine and, you know, uh, New Hampshire and Vermont, like climbing and running and stuff. And that country is so awesome. Like I, I definitely want to spend some time up there. I've never even been up there yet. And it, it's really not that far away from me. So I have no excuse why I haven't, but I just need to make the yeah. time and whether it's for hunting or just going up there, I want to, I want to check it out. Oh dude. It's, it's amazing. Like, um, I've never had, like I said, I haven't hunted yet, but, uh, been out in that country a good bit and it's, it's big country, especially up around, uh, New Hampshire, man, up in like the uh, white mountains and the green, was it green mountains are up there too. That's, or is that, that's in Vermont. Um, the white mountains are in, in New Hampshire. That's where Mount Washington is, you yep. know, which has the highest recorded, you know, wind speed of, I think anywhere in the United States. <laughs> That's and, incredible. Yeah. It's like right in your back door. Yeah. You should be doing that. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> we have a, I mean, like here, you know, like we have big, huge chunks of wilderness here in North Carolina, man, that, you know, people get lost in all the time. And it's just, I have a, I pretty much could have a lifetime of exploring around here. If that's all I wanted to do um, for the rest of my life anyway. It's, it's, it's so true. I mean, that's where I've been, I've had trouble recently going to other places for whitetails, like checking it out because I've loved, I've been just exploring more Pennsylvania. Like I'm always in some, like today I was in somewhere new, like just keep finding different places and trying to check it out. And I feel in it, some of it looks different and just different parts of the state. And it's, I don't know, it's all, it's fun. I'm, I'm glad there's that many opportunities, you know, throughout and. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys had a pretty, or building a pretty decent deer density up there. I mean, I've done a good job. Um, it, it's it's slim pickings around here, but there's great deer, man. And I, you know, when they're there, it just gets you all stoked. And yeah, but I'm gonna spend a lot more time this year in Southwest Virginia as well. Um, there's some good big country there that I'm pretty pumped to explore. Awesome, well, that's cool. I I'm uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how you and your son's turkey hunt goes there next week yeah man uh he's pumped we went sh- i just bought him a new gun this year we went and shot it today and it's nasty man like i i may carry that little gun some myself that's a stoger um bottomland camo youth model 20 gauge it's like the i think it's the 3050 or something like that hmm. but uh that little thing is light. Like my gun's pretty light. I have an Ithaca 20 gauge Turkey Slayer and it's like six and a half pounds, but his is light, but I put a Jeb's choke on it. And, um, I mean, there's, I don't know about where you live, dude, but I can't hardly find any shotgun shells. 
I haven't looked recently, but I know just about any ammo is is hard to find right now. I'm not like I'm a I have a, I hold a lot of pride for shooting long beard XRs, um, and I've only got like four, and uh, I, I look everywhere to try to find them today, and only people I can find that has sh- shells at all is like Apex, and so like I've given so many people tr- trash about shooting TSS that. Uh, I may end up having to shoot TSS. So, uh, <laughs> but I know that I know they perform well. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know I don't want to pay eight nine dollars a shell when I killing birds with long beard XRs that are like what fifteen dollars for t- for t- twenty. Yeah, that's what I'm using the long beard XRs. I used uh, I used heavy shot for a while, and then the prices kept jumping up on those, and and I just. Yeah, start using long beard XRs. I'm like, this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the it's the bush light of the shotgun shells, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it d- gets the job pride. done, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you can have some pride, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, funny. But yeah, that gun shoots performs very well, man. So yeah, we're we. I'm debating where I'm going to take him. I'm either going to take him here in North Carolina or I've got some spots in Virginia I may carry him because their youth season's open the same weekend. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll figure that out before I'm going to watch the weather. And either way, where we're going, I don't think we'll run into anybody in either state we go to. So be a fun trip and hope he gets on a bird. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome. Do you um since the last time we uh, recorded, which was the end of October last time, do you, anything new to share from Timber Ninja? Yeah, man, we got well. We since then we we released our aluminum, aluminum sticks. Our aluminum sticks. Um, we have our carbon fiber lock on is getting really close to launching or being ready to go to production, um, which I'm super pumped on that. And uh, we finished almost finished with our saddle platform that should be coming out fairly soon. And um, we have a saddle that should launch this year too. Damn. Yeah. Mobile hunting products company. And then a couple of other accessories I've, I've only shared with you and a couple other people that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty pumped about those awesome that's yeah that's that's awesome to hear and see uh see you growing and doing all that and i think it's i think it's pretty impressive so we're yeah, it's been fun. we've um really you know been fortunate to work with some really good people and we have some really good customers man it's it's been really fun um uh, i'm a horrible salesman for my company I, like i need to hire somebody that's like a, a fast car salesman type personality you know like, <laughs> yeah over promote um but I don't know. I like it that way. Yeah. It's, it seems that they seem to sell for themselves and get the, the buzz talking pretty easily. So yeah, they do. All right. Um, so where, where can people find, uh, some, some of your, uh, I guess your products and anything else with, with you that out there? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, on Instagram at Timber Ninja Outdoors, Facebook, Timber Ninja, Timber Ninja Outdoors, YouTube, same. Uh, and then our website's TimberNinjaOutdoors.com. And uh, yeah, we're about to be dropping some new videos actually on YouTube. Some uh, Actually, we're going to do one on a pack dump of what new gear I added this year that I'll be using for um, whitetail hunting. 
So I'm about to drop that here, get it recorded next week and Jordan get it edited pretty quick. So we'll be adding more stuff like that. Some how to stuff. I have fun doing that. Awesome. I'm looking forward to checking that out. And, um, are you going to do any more of that? Um, uh, what's it called series? The ones where you do the, the vehicle. Yeah. I have some that haven't been edited actually. Um, um, public land cribs. Public, yeah, public land cribs. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have two of them that haven't been edited yet. Uh, yeah, but I plan on doing some more because I, I bought a new truck this past year and I still haven't put a um, rig on there yet. I think. I'm, have you seen those smart caps? Yeah, I yeah, I've I've been looking at them quite a bit. They're sweet. I'm do a smart cap and then end up buying like a. I still can't decide which rooftop tent I want to get because my I bought a tundra and the bed's just too short for me to lay down in. Yep. And I couldn't. I didn't want to buy a long little base one with the crew cap, but um, I've really been digging. I, I like that tent you have, and also I, I really like that Alicab, the metal one wedge style. I really like that. Yeah. This. I don't There's know. so many options out there now, and so many cool. Yeah, I. I, I can go down a rabbit hole and I start looking at that kind of gear as well. Yeah. I was looking at getting one of those, um, you know, like a slot in style. Like there's so many companies doing that now, like, uh, like, um, four wheel campers and all those type people. Yep. And I was serious about buying one and all of them are about eight months out. Everybody I talked to is about eight months. Really? Yeah. So smart cap ships in like two weeks and you put it together yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> That, yeah, those things are sweet, man. I think they're only like four thousand dollars. Yeah, um, which which it really isn't much more than a regular cap. I mean, I think my ARE when I bought it was twenty eight hundred or something like that. You know, and, and the smart caps are awesome. You see the kitchen kit that goes into the side? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of. I'm like, well, I ever actually use that thing, but I was like. Man, it's so cool. Like, I have to add that because it's only like, I think, 600 bucks to add it or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, um, anyways, Jason, thanks for coming on and talking to me again. And uh, I I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. Um, anytime, man. It's always fun to talk. Sorry we didn't get to catch up when I was in PA. That was a bummer. I know. We were supposed to do this in person. And, uh, oh, well, next time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be up there again soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.